Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail, and joining me today are a host of people. We've got Paul Chalk, Danny Law, Sean Wallace, regular contributors. How are you guys? Yeah, very well, thank you. Great, thanks, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. All good. But there's another we've got with us. She's kindly agreed to join us today, Kelly Forrest, captain of Aberdeen FC Women. She's going to discuss their title triumph, lifted the trophy at the Balmoral Stadium at the weekend. And we're going to look ahead a little bit to the top flight season that they've earned themselves next year. Or, well, I say next year. It's a couple of weeks from now the preseason starts. But Kelly, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So... Firstly, then, it's been an 18-month season, I think, in SWPL2, with all the, the stop-start nature of COVID. Um, it's been full of ups and downs for the players as well. I think I've seen you say that, and we've done a couple of pieces with various members of the squad um, over this, what feels like a pretty prolonged campaign. But it, you must be elated to finally get over the line, have won the title, have earned promotion. Delighted, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. As you say, it's been, you know, a long, long season, 18 months with, you know, probably, you know, a lot of stop starts as well. And, you know, mentally trying to keep everyone active and engaged, um, even when we've not had football, it's been a big challenge. So, yeah, as much as it was a celebration, it was personally quite a relief as well. It's been not only this season, but um, the last couple of years trying to get us back up to SWPL1. So, yeah. Uh, great feeling, but probably not too much time off till we start again. As you say, it's only a couple of weeks. But yeah, great great weekend and great celebrations. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously you beat Boromir Thistle at the weekend at the Balmoral Stadium, which I understand is going to be your home uh, next term. We'll get into that in a minute. But the celebrations, it was a Sunday. You always play on a Sunday. Was it a case of most of the squad having the Monday off? Yeah, definitely. Um, we obviously, with COVID as well, it's been quite difficult. We were obviously planning on going out and getting some form of celebration when we bet Dundee United and sealed, you know, the the league victory. But we uh, we just decided to stay patient and and we went out for a meal on Sunday night. And yeah, we, we had Monday off. <laughs> a few sore heads yesterday from what I was hearing. No, good, richly deserved. So that's two consecutive promotions and. You were you were with mm-hmm. the team in Division One North, um, um, since the clubs kind of I think three years ago come under um, Aberdeen FC proper. Um, Emma Hunter was in charge of obviously. There's been a couple other coaches involved along the way as well. But what do you think's changed over the last couple of years that's you know almost fostered this winning mentality, this total drive to success that you've had. Um, I think there's a couple of things. I think obviously Aberdeen taking over is massive. You know, when they came in at a time when we were pretty down in dumps, we we'd gone through back to back demotion. Um, and to be fair to the squad that went through that, we, it was kind of like the aftermath of a, a great run prior to that as well. So, um, yeah, Aberdeen came in after our back to back demotion, and I guess they just created this, you know, massive opportunity for girls and. For us older ones, it was it was um, it was good to see that eventually, you know, we were getting proper buy-in from the club, and then all the resources that came with that, um, and they set an expectation on us um, as a club, and with that, you know, we knew that if we got we get we got back up to SWPL one, um, I think even more will come from that. 
um, and that was what the club said. So they set the objective um, and they were pretty, you know, clear about what they expected of us. But equally, as I say, you know, they were a massive influence in that. But there was a group of us as well that were really deflated after the, the demotion. So, you know, we knew that, you know, the club deserved to be, um, well, the expectation always on Aberdeen, even before uh, the the club took over, we as a group of girls had played SWPL1. And so to be, you know, two leagues below was just so bizarre. And and for me personally, I can't speak about the other older ones, but I know they are of the same opinion. We just wanted to get everyone back to top level football. So kind of a couple of elements there that um, that made the difference. So what's your, your kind of footballing journey been personally? Kelly, you've obviously been with Aberdeen for a while, but have you always been with them or have you played for other clubs? Um, well, I'm actually originally from Edinburgh, so I played uh, youth football in Edinburgh for I was under 17s. And then I was kind of pushed more by my family just to focus on university. So I moved up to Aberdeen for uni and I played uni football there and had quite a, I was club captain at uh, Aberdeen Uni for a while. And then I did one spell at Aberdeen um, probably about 10 years ago now for a couple of years. Um, we won uh, a league cup. I think that was the first, the last silverware before they recent too. So that was good. And then I actually worked away um, abroad in Malaysia for a year, so stepped away from football. And then I came back and did a second spell with Aberdeen uh, under Alan Smith and Vicky Patterson, and then um, another two seasons under Stefan, and then Emma came in uh, after that. So uh, all been with Aberdeen at top level, really. Obviously, there's been some pretty exciting young players that you've you've been teammates with this season and the last couple of seasons I suppose other players that have come in like Francesca Ogilvie and stuff that maybe necessarily haven't come through the Aberdeen system but how how strong is the squad now is it as as talented a squad as you've you've played with would you say yeah different very different you know the the years before when I was at Aberdeen there was a lot of older experienced players um equally very good I think the exciting thing about this team is you know they've got loads of years left in them and they're very very good um you know there's a group of like five or six of them for me it's almost like that kind of old man new class of 99 um you know that are just they're just you can tell they're going to be if they stick to how they're how they're playing on the pitch and um maintain that attitude it's there's they've got a really bright future ahead of them I think um they're exciting to watch at training and in games um and yeah like I think like Francesca she's obviously come through Cove and you know it's good to see players coming from from different areas and Aberdeen's got a big pool you know that's one good thing one good position we're in there's a lot of youth that we can bring through without the risk of them potentially being attracted to other big clubs you know maybe for for a bit yeah, it's still quite a bit to travel for for the girls, so we would want to be the big attraction in the north. So obviously, it's been because of the the way things have worked with SWPL two and SWPL one in terms of the seasons being able to continue after COVID, and obviously the top flight went first, and then SWPL two has just concluded the weekend. It means you've got this strange off season that's only about two weeks long. Is that given what you've achieved and you've got a top flight season to look forward to? Do you mind that much that you've only only got the short holiday uh, this summer? Nah, to be honest, it takes us away from doing a, a crazy pre-season, so I'm not really complaining in that respect. Um, and I guess you know nothing's 
nothing's going to be more challenging than the year we've had. Um, and I think the good thing about this team is we've just got on with the job. You know, it would have been nicer probably to get a bit of a, a longer break, but it is what it is. And I mean, to, to have football backs, the main thing I don't think I've ever gone so long without playing football in my whole career as to what I did during, you know, the January to, to May time this year. It was just really bizarre having five months of no games. Um, so I'm not complaining as a whole, but it is um, the two weeks will just fly by. Um, but yeah, as long as I'm not doing a bleak test, then I'll be fine. This is the bit where I ask you what what Aberdeen women can achieve in SWPL1 next season. You, are you willing to give any predictions? Obviously, it must be a real um, excitement to think of the prospect of like Glasgow City and teams like that coming to Balmoral Stadium, hopefully in front of as many fans as want to go. You know, you've got quite a hardy band of Don supporters that won't have much to do on a Sunday because the Dons will be the Dons first team will be playing on the on the Saturday. So, I mean, it, it you know it could be could be a big a big draw. Yeah, definitely. I think you know, in terms of like forecasting how I think we're going to do, it just I you know I was obviously watching SWPL one, and you've got Glasgow City Rangers, Celtic who are you know either in full time or you know paying players to an extent. So um, yeah, really exciting, and obviously the coverage as well from BBC Alba um, is great. But I think from watching you know some of the teams in the lower that finished in the lower the bottom half of the table um, for SWPL1. I think we'd be able to put in and definitely compete with them. And I think that's our expectations is to not just go up and be a team to survive, but to actually, you know, to challenge for at least at least the the, the lower half of that league. Um, and to an extent, you know, when I feel like we've been under a lot of pressure the last two years um, so since Aberdeen set the objective for us to get back up. Um, and while I'm not saying that we're completely free of pressure, but we'll definitely feel a slightly more relaxed and and ch- and look forward to the challenge as opposed to feeling like we have to get promoted or we have to win every game. And um, that pressure has been pretty intense for us, so I'm really looking forward to it, to be honest. And and playing in the Balmoral Stadium. Yeah, Excited yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. I was actually saying that to uh, a couple of people after the game on Sunday. I forgot actually how good a setup it is. Um, you know, really well organised. It's got you know, uh, you know, great facilities as a whole. Got good um, kind of even the, the the function area up the stairs. You know, that's important for us that we can use for pre-match discussions. And although we weren't in the changing rooms because of COVID on Sunday, I, I've been in them before, and it's a really really excellent facility, especially for you know, uh, our league. Danny? Yeah, Kelly, at the start of the season in SWPL2, um, did you expect to win the league um, as convincingly as you did? Because there are obviously quite a lot of, you know, very good teams as, as we saw towards the end of the season in that league. Um, to be honest, no. Uh, again, that was something I was speaking about uh, just at our meal on Sunday night was, you know, we've won that league by 10 points. If someone said that to me at the start of the season, I would... And I said, I think you're being a wee bit ambitious. Um, and we were written off by a number of podcasts. Um, a lot of people predicted us to finish at the bot, like near the bottom of the league. So, but our but our expectations as a team were to get bit, to, to get promoted, but to win by ten points, uh, no. So I'm absolutely delighted that we've done so. We've done so with conviction, and you know that's that's obviously great for us for in terms of confidence going up to SWPL one. 
it's a great league, as you say. There's, you know, Hamilton, Partick, Thistle, Dundee United all tested us at different times in the season. Um, but I feel like um, we did really well before Christmas, travelling away to Glasgow, getting really big wins away from home, albeit some just one nils. Um, I think we we came back after the long break and we were in a really good position. Okay. Well, we don't write off Northeast teams on this podcast, so I will predict that Aberdeen women will win SP, SWPL1 next season. Uh, okay, but Kelly, thank you very much again for joining us. No Today worries, we'll let no you go. Um, we've got a few other things to discuss, so after the break we'll get started with Christian Ramirez and Aberdeen. There is great pride in being a Scotland supporter. Win, lose or draw, the saltire flies, the songs are sung, the hand and roar will be heard. But what was it like in the old days, the days of the huge crowds and the vast hand and bow before it was all seated? If you're old enough, you'll remember. In our new book, We Had a Dream, Scotland Internationals in the Black and White Era, will remind you of those great days. If you're younger, this is the history. This is what the great days looked like. Those days are gone now. But these memories are also dearly held. There are photos in this book that will stir the dark blue heart. Photos of Bremner, Baxter, Law and Johnston in the days when they strode the hand and turf before crowds of 120 or 130,000 fans. If you remember those days, this book will take you back to those days. If you want to know what it means to be a Scotland supporter, then you'll need this book to show you, not just tell you, what it means to be a Scotland supporter. As one of our podcast listeners, you can get an exclusive 15% discount on We Had a Dream at dcthompsonshop.co.uk using the code DREAM15 at checkout. That's D-R-E-A-M-1-5 at the checkout of dcthompsonshop.co.uk. Check the episode notes for details and terms. Was like us. Okay, so I would say it's been a relatively quiet week. I'm not sure if you guys will agree, but for Aberdeen this week, I suppose the big thing we got was we got the first interview, the club interview. We are yet to speak to him yet um, with Christian Ramirez, the the signing from America. Um, I thought it was pretty heartening, Sean. I'm not sure if you agree again that he seems pretty pretty keen to be here. Like this is kind of been a dream for him, and you know, talks a good game. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was very impressed with his interview. Yeah, but what's clear from what Ramirez is saying is that he's 30 years old, but he's not coming to Aberdeen to wind down his career. He's very much coming here to make an impact. And I mean, he was a goal-scoring hero at Minnesota, so much so that they called him Superman. And he looks very focused that he intends to come to Aberdeen to be a goal-scoring hero here. Uh, and I said last week as well, from talking to his former coaches, managers, I, I talked to another one last uh, last night, his coach at uh, Striker FC in California, all, all the way from when he was 12 up to 20, and he was yet again absolutely glowing in his praise of Ramirez, not just as a natural goal scorer, but his character. Is, I think that has came shining through is the character of Ramirez, someone who is completely committed and focused to being a success and will 
run through a brick wall for Aberdeen and will give everything. So I'm very, very excited. And another thing that I liked about his interview was that he seems to be someone that is going to immerse himself into the culture of Aberdeen and the Granite City. He talked about how, although he is training with Aberdeen, he's got the elite sportsman's exemption to to come out of the quarantine to train. And whilst in his quarantine, he's watched the documentary on Netflix about Sir Alex Ferguson. He's looked into the history of the club. And I think he ticks all the boxes. I mean, his track record is that he's a proven goal scorer. He's a hard worker, committed, and he's got all the attributes required to be a fan's favourite. And if the goals come, that will definitely be see him become a fan's favourite. Yeah, I also really like the fact that um, he seems, you know, determined to learn as much as he can about the about the Dons and um, about the club. And it was um, it was a really uh, quite an interesting interview um, for uh, for the first first one of, of him at the club. Um, I mean, he he obviously you know talks a good game, and it'll be about backing that up. And I mean, from from the YouTube clips that I've seen of him, he looks really good. But I mean, we've seen a lot of good players in the past that have looked very good on YouTube and that's kind of not transpired to how good they are, but he does look like he's, um, you know, technically very good and will add something different. Um, I mean, he also retweets our stories as well, so we already like him, um, but I think it is an exciting signing. Um, I always think you get quite a good idea with strikers quite early on if they're going to work out or not. Um, I mean, last season I thought that Fraser Hornby was going to be a really shrewd acquisition. I thought that was going to, that had the makings of a very good Aberdeen signing, um, but it didn't work out. And I think you could see early on that that was probably going to be the the case. But I think with strikers, you tend to find out that after five or ten games, you get a good idea if this is going to be someone that is going to be a, a hit or a miss. Um, I guess the the one the one exception that I guess sort of springs to mind is probably Sam Cosgrove, who looked kind of overpriced at fifteen thousand pounds when. He first came to Aberdeen and then turned into a world beater. But I'm, I'm like Sean. I've got quite high hopes for Ramirez because of um, hearing him talk and and also hearing the what the other coaches that he's had in the past have, have said about him as well. So um, yeah, the the, the bar is high, but uh, hopefully he'll be able to deliver. Should be noted also before before you all email in that um, the Sir Alex Ferguson documentary. If we are talking about Sir Alex Ferguson, never give in. It's actually on Amazon Prime. Not on Netflix. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so, Sean, what are we? What are we still expecting transfer wise at Pitodri? I know, I know that the thinking is that well, that we're still needing another striker, and I think Stephen Glass has said that himself. That his, his hopes are that he can get another striker in, but are, are they going to be adding to the defence? What's the what? What's still to come? Uh, well, as you said, Stephen Glass has indicated that he's, the majority of his summer transfer work has been done. But, I mean, you can't go into a new campaign where you're fighting on two fronts, Europe and domestically, with just two senior strikers. So there's got to be another striker coming in. I think defensively there needs to be another centre-back as well. I think that's a minimum requirement going forward. And midfield, they're okay. I mean, people seem to forget that Fonzo Ojo is back. He's came back from his own spell at Wigan. How could we? <laughs> and regardless of what people think about Funzo, I, I thought, particularly in the first half, 
of his debut season at Aberdeen. I thought he looked good. T- trailed off towards the end of that, but I mean, under the right manager and the right circumstances, Funzo could be a, a strong player for Aberdeen going forward. Dylan McGeech, I mean, towards the end of last season, I thought he was beginning to show what he is capable of and what people thought he could bring to Aberdeen when he was initially signed. But definitely a defender, maybe another fullback, a bit light there. But definitely needs to be a couple more signings coming in. Ideally, before they play BK Harkin in Europe. The other, the other thing, and I was speaking to Willie Miller about this um, yesterday, that we've still got to find out is who the new head of recruitment at the club's going to be, which is obviously something that ties in to transfers and you know finding the right talent that Stephen Glass needs because he can't do it all himself. I mean, if you if, if there isn't a head of recruitment, you're kind of relying on people's contacts and players that are put forward, and that's not really the way to. To do it, I suppose that's not the way to unearth these these gems. Tommy Johnson, he's he's presumably the front runner. He's left Blackpool. I think they were undergoing their own restructuring, but he's been linked to the job. How crucial is it that they get you know they get somebody in place who's maybe don't want to say this, but got the contacts down in England where there's so many clubs and so many players, and you know there's a lot of competition for that talent. To somebody that's you know able to act quickly and get them signed up to Aberdeen. It's absolutely fundamental to Aberdeen going forward to have a strong head of recruitment. I mean, yeah, Russ Richardson, he's departed the club now, but I don't think you can underestimate uh, what he brought to Aberdeen during his time there. I mean, Danny was talking about Sam Cosgrove. He was a player that Russ Richardson uh, highlighted and they went on to make a couple of million pound profit on him. Well, nearly three million and he delivered the goals. So it just shows that if you've got someone with the connections, particularly down south, then it can yield long-term benefits. And as you said, Stephen Glass can't do it all himself. He needs someone there who knows the market and can get players, ideally players, on the cheap that they can develop and then sell at a substantial profit. Should be noted that um, Aberdeen... Are playing a preseason friendly. I think maybe their first preseason friendly um, this coming week. They're they're supposed to be playing Inverness Cali Thistle, one of our other teams behind closed doors. So we might be able to find out what happens in that one. But next up, we will move on to well, two more of our teams playing each other in a friendly. Elgin City v Ross County, which took place at the weekend. Okay. So our expert for this one is Paul Chalk, who was at the game at Borough Briggs. Um, Malky Mackay's first game in charge of Ross County. How how did it go, Paul? Expert expert by default, just by being there. Uh, but I tell you, right, no, it was a really positive game for Ross County and, and Malky was delighted just to get this game under his belt and the players get that, a run out. Now, um, on the eve of the game, I thought I would just jot down what kind of squad would be travelling to Elgin because with 10 first-team players been let go, of course, on the, the week that Malky came in, including Ian Vigers and Michael Gardine and Jason Naismith, Ross Draper, guys of that calibre, who was left. But the, a number of young players were left. And in fact, the starting 11 that lined up against Elgin were, uh, they wouldn't have actually looked too much out of place from the, the team that 
stayed, uh, kept County up at the end of the, the Premiership season, of course, under John Hughes. So uh, a lot of experience within the ranks and a, a number of young players coming through. Um, uh, but Malky was delighted that uh, his signings got up and running as well with goals. Uh, the, the standout in the afternoon for me was Ross Callahan, who... Um, who really pulled the strings. He was in the, in the heart of everything good that Ross County were about. Um, scored two goals, although Jordan White would maybe uh, say that he got a, a touch with the first one. It was one of them that might have uh, got off the big strike in, in the way in. But uh, two for Callahan, And, um, uh, of course, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of energy about the team, which was something that I, I spoke to Malky about afterwards. And he was delighted that the fact, you know, sometimes players... Take a wee bit of time to get up and running, and albeit it was against a, an Elgin team that are missing a good number of players. Gavin Price, the Elgin boss, stressing that they were maybe six players shy of, of what they would have been normally due to COVID at, at the club. Um, so, yeah, it was a good exercise for both. It was as good as it could be for Elgin, and although the result was 5 0 to, to County, uh, it was only 1 0 at half time, and it was only in the second half that the scoreline ran away from from Elgin and uh, I know that Gavin spoke to Andy on Friday uh, saying even ahead of the game the scoreline didn't matter it's really about getting the fitness up as it always is and um, Elgin uh, this Tuesday uh, as we speak they play Strathspade uh, down the road in a closed door game that will get more minutes into the belt from a county point of view though yep all good but no game this week for Ross County and uh, a developing story, in fact, uh, to tell you if, if if you want me to continue with that, Ryan. Yes, please, please do, Paul. I just, think I know what you're going to say, but yeah, and that's it. Yeah, just while we we come onto the pod, breaking news from Ross County: a COVID nineteen update that says that a number of Ross County players and coaching staff have tested positive for COVID nineteen. As a precaution, the club has temporarily suspended football operations to prevent any further spread of the virus. So um, we'll obviously get more on that and report that over the the coming days. But Ross County, their next fixture is meant to be in the Premier Sports Cup this Saturday away to Forfar Athletic. So we'll uh, see how long they are out of business for. They had no matches prepared for this week. Malky didn't want another game because they, they were low in numbers anyway. But as I say, their opponents at the weekend were Elgin, who had only just come back from um, 10 days out of uh, football operations themselves. Uh, a number of their players had um, contracted COVID, and include, including uh, Craig Little, who we, we spoke to after the game as well. So, um, yeah, and it was just uh, reading today the column from Duncan Sheeran in, in the PNJ where he highlights the, the fact that COVID has been such a, a problem. And, um, you know, day after day... It, levels from the, the North Caledonian at the end of the season right through to Highland League clubs preparing and now up to the, the Premiership with Ross County. COVID is continuing to be a problem and, uh, you know, Elgin only came out of their 10-day uh, period last week and um, but everyone was all clear, the, the tests were all clear for both clubs and there was no uh, threat to that fixture at the weekend. Uh, but the, the previous week I was at Forrest with uh, Forrest Cali Thistle and uh, there were positive cases falling on from, from that one. So in the in the Murray and in the Highland area, it certainly is becoming a, a, an issue that uh, I can see more games being called off. But in terms of Ross County right now, it's not what they need ahead of the, the Cup games starting this weekend down at Forfar. So we'll see if that does impact 
on the, that match this this weekend, and of course we'll be reporting that as we go on. As you say, Paul, um, it's going to be interesting going into the new season. Um, every time there's a positive COVID test or somebody in a team, you know, knows somebody that's you know tested or been in contact with somebody that's tested positive, like what that means for the fixtures, because it could be could be chaos. But I mean, we'll see how that all unfolds over the course of the over the course of the season. Um, also, before we move on to speaking at the Premier Sports Cup proper later, slightly later on, um, I should say that if Ross County's game is off this weekend, then we told you so. And if it goes ahead, we told you so. So just delete as appropriate. Um, one thing I wanted to say, Paul, was County have obviously made a couple of new signings that weren't on show the weekend. They've got Jake Vocals from Southampton. They also signed Alexander Robertson from Manchester City. Last night, that's a fullback and a midfielder, both with Premier League experience down in England. Um, I mean, some some fans might not like Malky McKay's past, but his contacts are certainly not in doubt. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. Yeah, and I noticed uh, first thing this morning a wee bit of reaction from the Ross County fans on, on the back of that. Uh, say what you like about Malky McKay and the county fans have certainly done that but I think now it's time to just let him get on with his job and see what he delivers and those contacts are going to be absolutely crucial I mean to get to players from English Premier League clubs up here on season long loans um, is terrific work and the left back uh, Vokins, Jake Vokins that came in at the, the end of the week there wasn't quite clear for the Elgin game in terms of international clearance, but um, he was set to be involved this this week. So um, as soon as uh, County are clear of their COVID issues, we could expect to see him. Of course, the left back was probably the one role that Ross County were crying out for to be filled with um, no obvious guy uh, to fill that position since uh, Carl Tremarco. Uh, hung up his boots. Of course, Carl's gone on to be the head of youth at Ross County. But um, the the um, one that we've got here, of course, that came in last night from Manchester City, Alexander Robertson, an 18-year-old who's got youth uh, international experience with England and um, Malky McKay, really excited by this loan move. Say what you like, you know, if you can get two guys in, whether they've got limited first-team experience, but from English Premier League clubs, that's got to be good in terms of they'll be up here looking to make an impact the Ross County games when they're up against the, the likes of the Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen, more likely to be on TV. So there's the, the scope there that these players, they might be based in the north of Scotland, but playing in the Premiership, that will give them the, the platform to come into the team, hold down that place and really kick on. But Malky, this week speaking, very highly of the, the young talent there. He, he does admit that, you know, that I think there were five youngsters included in the, the team at Elgin at the weekend and they um, they really excited Malky in terms of the, the what they can offer, their their uh, vision and their hard work. He said, if you're a player at Ross County, you won't be part of the plans unless you work hard, but the young players have fitted in really well and they don't look out of place. So all around, yeah, it's been a good week until this COVID release, but I think the Ross County fans should um, really be excited and I think they'll be looking forward to this Premier Sports Cup when it does get up and running. And uh, I think, um, you know, like many clubs, they'll use this competition as part of their, their pre-season, but um, I think Ross County should uh, look forward with plenty of optimism after a, 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 you know, a really encouraging start at Elgin. COVID's effects over the weekend weren't just limited to, well... 
it wasn't over the weekend at Ross County, but I mean, COVID clearly played a hand in quite a few friendlies involving Highland League clubs being called off. Peterhead try to get their, their annual doubleheader played. They managed to play Inverurie Locos on the Saturday, I think beating them 2-1. But Turriff against Peterhead, Turriff had also played on Saturday. That was Turriff against Peterhead was meant to be on the Sunday, but it was called off because of COVID. Um, there were, of course, quite a few friendlies involving Highland League clubs and junior sides completed. Um, but yes, next we will move on to the Premier Sports Cup, which kicks off this weekend. A few teams involved, so we'll have to chat through all of those fixtures. Okay, so the 2021-22 season officially gets underway for a lot of our teams. This weekend, fixtures on Saturday include Cove Rangers against Stirling Albion, Elgin City against Arbroath, Forfar Athletic against Ross County, Ross County, although there's a bit of an asterisk on that one now, Montrose against Borough Rangers, and Peterhead against Hearts. Um, guys, it feels, I, I don't know, I don't know what your guys' opinion is, but it feels like, to me, it's, it's all rolled around very quickly. Danny? Yeah, I would agree with that. Although I'm, um, I don't know about everyone else, but I'm, I'm quite a big fan of um, this competition. I quite like the the group format of it. I like the fact that you know that all of our kind of local teams are, you know, playing at least you know one of the one of the big teams in their group. Um, I mean, the only I think the only negative with this competition is that the the groups tend to be quite similar every year, and um, because they've only got so many teams, and because they split them up into north and south. Um, so, but I know that the, I mean the teams would prefer to do that rather than have, you know, traveling down, um, you know, a, a few times for for different games. But I like it. It's lots of derbies. There's always shocks at this stage of the season because generally, um, you know, all the teams are kind of getting ready, and most of them are using it as kind of a, a competitive games, but also with us sort of as preparation really for the start of the season in earnest. But um, but yeah, I'm quite I'm quite a big fan of it. I know that I think for many football fans are probably a bit mixed on it. Um, but I think from our perspective, aside from trying to get the the rotas sorted for covering all the the games and everything, but no, I like I like it. It's quite it's quite good. I, I, it feels it feels like the start of the season. Chalky, where do the where do the upsets potentially lie? This weekend, and um, what teams in our, of our patch? I'm th- I'm looking at teams like Peterhead, maybe who are playing Hearts at home. What teams do you think are maybe um, yeah potentially gonna? I don't know. Be up against it this weekend. Yeah, really intriguing groups, and the Peterhead Hearts is, is a fascinating one to start with uh, as well. And uh, I know um, Peterhead are, are through Inverness next Tuesday, which will be Cali Thistle's first. Uh, involvement in the competition and uh, Danny's quite right in that I think Cali Thistle will be sick of the sight of hearts yet again you know only just getting rid of them from the the championship they've been pitched in against them once more in this competition that used to be um, known as the Turnocks Cup last season of course the Cali Jags that um, it was sorry that I'm getting mixed up with my comps here, of course. But um, no, it's a Betfred Cup last that's season. That's the Betfred. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so, but from a Peterhead point of view, you know they'll be. Um, like anyone else, look to get off to a, a good start. That Hearts is uh, won't fancy a trip north after being at Brora last year and, and been stung by that one. Robbie Nielsen's still in, in charge of the, the Jambos, who thought he'd still be there uh, after what happened at um, Dudgeon Park that night. And the Hearts fans have still to uh, really be convinced by Robbie, despite that title win last year. But um, yeah, I'm from my point of view as well, looking at this 
uh, Arbroath, uh, Dick Campbell's Arbroath coming to Elgin will be a, a good one as, as well because uh, I think what Dick Campbell achieves at Arbroath year in, year out is, is quite incredible that they are still competing at championship level because he can still attract top quality players. But Elgin, they have got their eyes firmly fixed on the 31st of the month when they kick off against Stranraer in League Two. But it's a, a great preparation for Elgin Huron also with East Fife and Dundee United and um, Kelsey Hearts, of course, who have just come up and will be main title challengers to them in, in League Two. So that's a, that's a good one. You look at Brora staying in the north as well. They've got Dundee up in the Premiership, uh, Forfar, Montrose and Ross County. So that's a, a, a cracking group in, in Group C. So, um, yeah, uh, there will be upsets along the way, certainly. And... Um, uh, I'm, as things stand, I'll be, be heading to Forfa, uh, unless we hear otherwise. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it's a cracking tournament as well. I was just because normally at this time of year it'd just be meaningless friendlies, part of the build up to the new season. But now we've got meaningful games, competitive matches, and it throws up the Peterhead Cove Rangers match, which will be a cracker as well. You touched on on Tuesday. Um, Chalky and you mentioned there, Cove Rangers, Sean Cove obviously got Hearts at the Balmoral Stadium uh, starting next week. We'll have recorded another pod by then, I'm sure, but I think that one's on TV, so that's a big game again for the Aberdeen side. I think that's the same night that Dundee also host Brora, so plenty, plenty to look forward to in the coming weeks, and that's with teams like Aberdeen not even back in action yet. Um, you did mention the Tunnock's Cup though chalky and it should be stated that they the now is it the SPFL Trust trophy and um, the draw for the first and second round of that I think or perhaps the second and third round I think it's the first and second is being made this afternoon so we will know who our teams are facing in that um, later on today but I think that is everything for this week's episode of Northern Goal thanks go of course to Kelly Forrest for joining us earlier on and good luck to Aberdeen women next season and of course I'm so grateful to Sean Danny and Paul for joining me today cheers guys thank you Ryan pleasure thanks Ryan if you've enjoyed this week's episode of Northern Goal you can email us at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app and finally all that remains to be said for the next week is Forza Azuri don't let them win it cheers Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.